Ronnie Delicata took the fruit bar from its box and closed the freezer door. She tore the paper wrapper at the top, stripping it down as if peeling a banana. Admiring the bright color of the frozen fruit bar, so pink it almost hurt her eyes to look at it, she removed the last of the wrapper and threw it in the trash can beneath the kitchen sink. How many of those are you planning to eat? Nick Delicata's voice stopped Ronnie's tongue in mid-lick. Ronnie looked at the frozen fruit bar in her hand, then at her mother. It's made with real strawberries, she said. Yes, and real sugar, too, Nick said. It's only my second one. It's your third one this afternoon. I thought you were on a diet. Last night you hardly ate a bite of my lasagna. Ronnie shrugged and took a big bite out of the fruit bar so she wouldn't have to explain why she hadn't been able to eat the gummy, sticky disaster that her mother called lasagna. As for her diet, well, that hadn't been going so well. She blamed it on sheer boredom. But she had another six weeks until school started. Plenty of time to starve herself. You shouldn't eat just because you're bored, Nick said, performing that irritating mind-reading trick that mothers do so well. Who says I'm bored? Ronnie said. I know you. You've got the midsummer blahs. If you're not in the middle of investigating for some article or solving one of your mysteries, you do nothing but sleep, stare at your computer, and eat junk food. I read, too, Ronnie said. Then maybe you'd like to help me with these letters. Ronnie's mom was the secretary to the mayor of Bloodwater. She often brought work home with her, and that afternoon she had come home with two boxes of letters to the mayor, most of them having to do with Mayor Buddy Berglund's recent proposal to make Bloodwater House his official residence at the taxpayer's expense. The citizens of Bloodwater were somewhat perturbed. Nick was dividing the letters into three piles, opposed, vehemently opposed, and threatening. No thanks, said Ronnie, heading for the stairs. I have to get back to my room. I'm reading the dictionary. Nick laughed and shook her head. Ronnie settled into her desk chair, woke up her computer, and looked upon the face of a girl who had been abducted in Milwaukee, Wisconsin several weeks earlier. Vanessa Angel Charleston, age six, believed to be in the company of her mother, Angelina Charleston. Ronnie studied the girl's face, then read the specifics. Height, weight, hair color, eye color, birthmarks, etc. She stared fiercely at the picture until she was sure that if she ever saw Vanessa Charleston, she would immediately recognize her. She licked her fruit bar just in time to keep it from dripping onto her keyboard and clicked the next name on the Missing Children website. Sooner or later, she would run into one of these lost, abducted, or runaway kids. What a story it would make if one of these kids were found in blood water. Ronnie dreamed of becoming an investigative reporter. Finding a missing child could be her big break. She imagined her byline, PQ Delicata, on the front page of the New York Times. At the very least, she could write about it in her column for the Bloodwater Pump, the high school newspaper. Most of the younger missing kids had been snatched by one of their own parents, probably after a nasty divorce. The older ones, including a lot of girls her age, 16, were probably runaways. Only a few were victims of stranger abductions. Ronnie clicked on the next name, Bryce Dolbelman, a cute-looking Asian kid. 
she licked her fruit bar and scrolled down reading. Abducted by his adoptive mother at age three years and 11 months, almost 10 years ago. She scrolled down to a second image, an age-progressed photo of the same kid. An artist had taken the photo of the young Bryce Dolbeman and aged it to what he might look like 10 years later. Ronnie stared at the age-progressed photo. The boy in the photo stared back at her. Ronnie's mouth slowly fell open. Impossible, she said. A large pink strawberry-flavored blob dripped onto her keyboard. She knew him. Chapter 3 a real scar. Brian Baines sat at his desk admiring his picture from the Bloodwater Clarion, now pinned up on his bedroom wall. He had decided not to call Ronnie about it. He would wait for her to stumble across it on her own. He looked at the phone, willing it to ring. And, amazingly, it did. <laughs> 